Well, good morning again. Welcome to Bible Center. It's great seeing you here. Glad you made it here safely. Today, I want to tell the story about the time I met the world's greatest baseball player, the best baseball player to ever walk the face of the earth. No, it's not Derek Jeter. Uh, it's not A-Rod. It's not Nolan Ryan or Barry Bonds. But the greatest baseball player to ever walk the face of the earth is a man who played outfield for the Cincinnati Reds, and his name is... Billy Hatcher. <laughs> yeah, it's a popular name that I know and you know too. I want to tell you today why he's my favorite baseball player and why I think he is the best baseball player to ever live. It was 1990. It was the first weekend of August and my parents uh, decided to take a vacation to Cincinnati. We were going to hit the zoo and we were going to hit Kings Island, but also take in a Reds game. One of my dad's friends had told him that we could go at the bottom of the old riverfront stadium and possibly meet the players. If we got there early enough, we could meet them, maybe even get some autographs. They say your best memories in life are attached to emotion. And that's why even this week, meditating on this story, I remembered so much about that morning in 1990. I remember what we had for breakfast. Dad had gone out and gotten some donuts and brought them back. We're in the hotel. I remember eating the donuts that morning before it was time to go see the Reds game. I was going to maybe meet some players. I was going to maybe get some autographs. So finally, the time came. We all got in the car and we drove to Riverfront Stadium. Again, it's no longer there. I remember going down into the bottom parking area and it smelled a lot like exhaust. It looked kind of bleak. It was dark concrete, a sea of concrete everywhere. But at the end of one of the rows was a little rope and we figured that that was where we could meet and probably meet some players. By the time we got out of our car, there were about a dozen other kids there. And sure enough, in a short period of time, players started to arrive. The first player I remember was Eric Davis. He didn't drive his own car, but he had a limo. He was in his, his hometown. He had a limo drop him off. Eric Davis gets out of the car. He waves, he smiles, but he doesn't stop. So I don't get Eric Davis's autograph. Another player that eventually showed up was Chris Sabo and Barry Larkin, who were driving their own nice, shiny cars. They waved, they smiled, but they didn't stop, and so he didn't get any autographs. This one guy really stuck out to me. His name was Roberto Alomar. He played for the Padres that we were playing that weekend. And I remember thinking he had a really cool hat. You know, people who've lived in California really dress snazzy, John. And he had a really cool hat. Thinking, man, this guy's maybe he'll stop and give us an autograph. But no, he didn't give us an autograph. He smiled, he waved, and he walked on. But after a few minutes, this truck pulled up. Dad and I talked yesterday, and I was thinking it was a, a Ford truck. Dad was thinking it might have been a... It doesn't really matter. But the truck pulls up, and, and a guy five foot nine gets out of the truck. And I recognized it was Billy Hatcher. It was his first year playing for the Reds. He'd played for the Cubs and the Astros, and I had baseball cards from his previous teams, but his Reds baseball card hadn't come out yet. He gets out of his truck, five foot nine, stocky young man at the time, and he walks over, he smiles, he waves, and we think he's going to pass us by like everybody else. But all of a sudden, he stops. And he takes about five or ten minutes, and he signs all of our autograph books. He asks a few of us our names, and he engages with us for a couple minutes, wishes us good luck, and then he goes through the doors, not to be seen again until the game. 
That particular game, he hit a home run in the seventh inning. And although he wasn't the best of the best players who ever played for the big red machine, he was, 1990 was his best year. He won the Babe Ruth Award. That was the year that they went four straight games beating the Oakland A's in the World Series. And his batting average in the World Series was 750, which is why he won the Babe Ruth Award. So as a kid growing up, Billy Hatcher was the best baseball player to ever live. Is it, was, was it because of his numbers? No. Was it because of his skill? No. It was because he took time for a group of kids. When we think about Bible Center and our ministry to kids, we want to have a ministry not like Eric Davis, but we want to have a ministry like Billy Hatcher. We want to have a place where kids know that they're valued, where kids know that they're loved. And we have a lot of bright and shiny and nice tools and, and buildings and programs, and these are all great, and we want to continue these. But we want to most importantly look into the eyes of children and make them know we are glad they're here. Why are children such a big deal at Bible Center? Why were children such a big deal to Jesus? That's what we're going to look at this morning from Luke chapter 18. If you have your Bible or your Bible app, turn with me, if you will, to Luke 18, starting in verse 15. Let me invite you to stand out of respect for the Bible. Luke 18, 15, while I begin to read. Luke 18, 15. People were also bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. And when the disciples saw this, they rebuked them. But Jesus called the children to him and said, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Children are always welcome at Bible Center. Why do we make such a big deal about kids? If you want to follow along in your app or in your bulletin, you'll see the notes there. I'm going to give you three reasons. Reason number one, kids need love. Kids need love. In verse 15, Luke writes, People were bringing babies to Jesus for him to place his hands on them. Number one, kids need love love. This was a common scene in the synagogue. It was a common in Jewish life. Just like we have child dedication services today, Jewish parents would bring their babies, bring their infants to the synagogue elders, to the rabbis, and they would put hands on them and they would pray prayers of blessing. It's helpful for us to remember that this time in the world, especially among peasants, children didn't often live beyond their first birthday like they do today. And so the picture here isn't of middle-class parents pray, praying, asking the rabbi to pray that their kids get in a good college. But the picture here is of peasant people bringing their babies to Jesus, praying, asking him to bless them that they can live and survive. But the disciples would have none of it. In this picture, we see Jesus uh, observing the disciples, keeping the children at bay. We don't know why they tried to refuse the kids. Maybe they thought Jesus was too important. 
Maybe they thought he was too busy. I mean, after all, he had a Roman empire to topple. Why would they let children through to see the king? And Jesus became angry. Jesus was aggravated. If you're taking notes, you can write down Matthew 19 and Mark 10. Matthew 19 and Mark 10. Both of those passages tell the same exact story, but they include some different facts. Mark 10, verses 13 and 14, includes the fact of Jesus' anger. It says, People were bringing little children to Jesus for him to place his hands on them, but the disciples rebuked them. When Jesus saw this, he was indignant. It doesn't mean he was slightly annoyed. It doesn't mean he was just moderately aggravated. But Jesus became angry. As you read the Gospel of Luke, you'll find that this was the gospel to the outcast. The religious leaders wanted certain groups of people to be held at arm's length. But Jesus became angry and said, no, bring them to me. Kids matter. Kids are important. Kids are always welcome. If you like to read or if occasionally you read a book here and there, let me encourage you to pick up this book this week. You're going to want to get D. Ross Campbell's book, How to Really Love Your Child. Several years ago, one of my mentors gave me this book and said, you've got to read it. I didn't read it. I wish I would have read it like 15 years ago. It is an amazing book. I love it. In the book, Dr. Campbell highlights how that children have an amazing ability to perceive emotions. Children are born into the world with one question, according to Dr. Campbell, and that is, am I loved? Do you love me? I talk to a lot of parents, and I've not met very many parents who who don't love their kids. I I mean, occasionally, because of some outside influence, that natural affection will be broken. But almost all parents, most parents that I engage, they, they love their kids. But the problem I have, and the problem maybe you have, is showing that to our kids. Expressing that to our kids in a way that helps them say, I feel as though I'm loved or I know I'm loved. In the book, Dr. Campbell suggests four primary ways for us to show love to our kids. First is through physical contact. And he highlights the way that Jesus held these babies and prayed a prayer of blessing for them. Physical contact is is important for our little kids when they're little, appropriate kissing and appropriate hugging and putting them on our shoulders and playing horsey and letting them fix our hair and wrestling. All of that is appropriate and that is okay. As our kids get older, some of those things become weird to them and that's okay. You know, it wouldn't be appropriate for probably your high school son to play horsey down here at GW. That probably wouldn't go well. But still, let's, let's still fist bump and give back slaps and high fives and hugs. And, and if they want to wrestle, let's still wrestle. Because of the world we live in, there are certain requirements and certain limitations for children's ministry. We tell our, our children's servants here at Bible Center, it's fist bumps. If you're going to initiate, it's fist bumps or high fives. That's it. But, you know, occasionally the little kid will come up and give you that big hug and they grab you by the leg and you kind of do that awkward side hug thing, you know, what you try to do. There's just something about kids. They need touch. They need contact. Dr. Campbell also brings out the importance of eye contact. 
I didn't know this, but an infant's eyes begin focusing somewhere around two to four weeks of age. One of the first images that holds an infant's attention is a human face, but in particular, the eyes. After six to eight weeks, an infant will begin to scan the room looking for something until it finds not only a human face, but until it finds the eyes on which to lock. Have you ever tried to talk to somebody who wouldn't look you in the eye? Now, maybe there's some people who are shy. We'll give those people a pass. We all know those people. And we also know the other extreme, the person that like, you know, stares at you like they're psychotic while you're talking to them. And, and that makes you uncomfortable too. But there's something about human connection. Like, why is it when I'm speaking, I'm, I'm trying to find your eyes and, and look you, that's just an emotional connection that we can have. That's the way God's made us. But often we'll look at our kids in the eyes when we're angry, but not look at them in the eyes when we want to just hang out, when we want to encourage them, when we want to love them, when we want to bless them. Studies show that eye contact, healthy eye contact with kids is important for their emotional growth. There's also focused attention. I believe the first copy of Dr. Campbell's book was written prior to The Five Love Languages with Gary Chapman. Later, he would partner with Dr. Chapman to write the book Five Love Languages for Kids. It's also another great book. But in the book, he talks about the importance of focused attention. And this, for me, is where it gets really, really hard. Let me pull back the curtain for a minute and tell you about my yesterday. So yesterday, I get up early. Uh, our dog doesn't let us sleep much past five o'clock, even on Saturdays. So I get up early and use the opportunity to read. And so I'm reading this, this book, actually, finishing the book yesterday morning about focused attention, getting ready for this sermon. And later when the kids get up, I'm starting to play a little Minecraft with Riley. How many of you ever played Minecraft? Anybody? Okay, a lot of you. We're playing Minecraft, having a good time. And, and she enjoys, you know, like building the houses and I have to like see her houses. And I like digging tunnels and doing all the stuff that dudes do. And, 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 and so I'm, I'm playing Minecraft and my phone starts to buzz, starts to go off. Well, I mean, right, it's like my job. Look, I look at my phone. So I'm looking at my phone, I'm playing Minecraft, looking at my phone, playing Minecraft. And after a while, the thought hit me. I've only got five, a little over five years left with Riley in my house. Five years. There's going to be plenty of time by God's grace in my career, in my life, in my ministry. There's going to come a day when I can look at my phone for 25 hours a day if I want to. But right now, my children are at home and they need focused attention. That's where it gets hard for us, setting up limitations setting aside reserved time for our family, but it's so important. Finally, Dr. Campbell talks about discipline, which is usually the question Christian parents jump to asking. What about discipline? He talks about it in the book, but he makes a great point. Disciplining our children is so much easier when they know we love them. It's so much easier when we, they know we love them. Another story from home, in the mornings, I like to get up and do stuff. So if it's not reading, I'll go for a, a jog or go do something else. Up until this year, this is really the first year that it's hit me that in the mornings is one of the gr best times for me to connect with my kids. I don't know why I haven't really seen it until this year, 
But earlier this year in the school year, I was going to go for a jog or even like the kids were getting ready for school and I was going to run over to the office and grab something. And I just noticed it really aggravated him. And they didn't say like, hey, dad, I, we need you in the mornings because kids don't often know what they need. Um, but I began to talk to Sarah and realized that in the morning is about the only time I have their undivided attention. For you, it might be a different time of the day. At our house, by the time they come home in the afternoon or evening, there's homework, there's sports, there's friends. We're at the age now that when you get in the car, it's like all of a sudden, like, can you get the car started before the head buds come in? I'm like, you know, where did that come from? Used to, in the old days, you just turn on the radio and everybody sang along, but everybody's got their own, right? But in the mornings, I've got their undivided attention. And so we've started over the last few months uh, making eggs in the morning for the girls, and actually eating breakfast is really super early as a family. You may not be able to do that. Your time may be some other time, but it's really working for us. Now the girls are at the place where they're telling me how they want their eggs. And if I have too much salt or too much pepper. So now I've actually got like two pans, one for the fried egg people and one for the scrambled egg people. But you know, there's going to come a day when those pans are going to be empty there's going to come a day very, very soon where dad can go on all the jogs he wants to go on and I can read all the books I want to read because they're not going to be there. And if your children still live at home, let me encourage you to love them. Touch them, hold them, listen to them, look at them in the eye and let them know they are the most important thing in your life apart from Jesus and your spouse. Kids need love. If your kids have already grown, maybe it's your grandkids or maybe it's you work with kids, you're a teacher, you serve at Bible Center Church, we can show kids love at every phase. Why are kids such a big deal at Bible Center? Because number one, they need love. But number two, kids need Jesus. Number two, kids need Jesus. Verse 16, Jesus called the children to him and said, let the little children come to me and do not hinder them for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. The disciples wanted to keep them at arm's length. But Jesus said, no, bring them to me. We say here at Bible Center, we want to be a church where grandchildren want to invite their grandparents. There are churches all across West Virginia where grandparents are happy to invite their grandkids. The grandkids don't want to go, but they're happy. But we want to be a church where grandchildren love their church so much that they invite their, their grandparents. And we see this heartbeat in Matthew or Luke 18. There's no greater gift we can give our children than to keep bringing them to Jesus. Whether they're babies or teenagers or adults themselves or have kids of their own, our kids still need Jesus, just like we need Jesus. We're going to teach our children morals. We're going to teach them virtues. But the greatest gift we can give our children is Jesus himself. Let me explain the difference between morals and virtues. Illustration can be seen in the way that we tell the story of David and Goliath. How many of you have ever heard in Sunday school somewhere the story of David and Goliath? All right, two or three of you, good. Most of us have. If you haven't, I'm going to try to summarize it. In the Bible, the scriptures tell us the true story of King David when he was a mere boy. 
And he goes to visit his brothers at the war camp. At the war camp, you look out over the valley and you've got the enemy, the Philistines, on the other mountain. And down in the valley has walked this giant, this mammoth of a man by the name of Goliath. And he's mocking Israel's God. And as the story goes, David begins to converse with his brothers and the other soldiers and they're, they're hiding in their tents and they're hiding in their camps and they're hiding in the bushes because Goliath is calling for the best soldier to meet him on the battlefield. Back in that day, the best soldiers could fight and whichever one would win often would be victorious over the other one. So you save hundreds and thousands of lives. But none of the Israelites would meet the challenge. And as the story goes, David became incensed that his God was being mocked. And so he puts on some armor that Saul had given him and he realizes that the king's armor was too big. And so he goes down into the brook and he gets five loaves, he gets a, not five loaves and two fishes, that's a different story. He, he, <laughs> I did go to seminary, I promise. Uh, he gets the five smooth stones and he goes out to the field and he, as the story goes, he, he slings the stone and hits the giant right in the middle of the head and the giant falls down dead. Now let me tell you how I've told that story one too many times. After telling that story often, this is what I'll say. Man, and kids, go out of here and be a David. Dare to be a David. You take the leadership, you be brave, you be bold, you take a stand for Jesus, go out and be David. What's the problem with that? You say, that's how maybe you heard it too. What's the problem with it? The problem with that is Monday hits or Tuesday hits and the kids fail. Or Monday hits and Tuesday hits and we grown-ups fail. We give in to that temptation. We, we say that thing that we know we shouldn't have said. We, we fly off the handle at a moment we knew we shouldn't have flown. And then we realize, ah, oh, I just need to be a better David. Let me even give you a better way to tell your children, your grandchildren, or if you serve in Bible Center, kids, the better way to tell that story. Yes, there was a giant. And yes, there was a David. And yes, there were people hiding in the bushes and hiding in the encampments. But the person that went out and defeated the giant wasn't you and it wasn't me. It was Jesus. The picture there is that Jesus is our David. And because David defeated Goliath, you remember what happened. All the cowards and all the weaklings who were hiding back in the bushes, they come out and they're ready to fight because somebody paved the way. That is exactly what Jesus did for our children and exactly what Jesus did for us. Every week of our lives, we fail, we sin, we give in to our temptations. We're like David's brothers. But Jesus has paved the way. And whether we fight or not, he's already won the battle, but it makes us want to fight because he's already led the way. We want to show our kids that Jesus. One of the biggest joys I have of being senior pastor at Bible Center Church is seeing such a number of people, so many of you serving in kids ministry. Some of you taught my children. 
You serve in Awana or you serve in the nursery or early childhood or you serve on Sunday mornings in base camp. God bless you. Those children will not forget it. You may not think they pay attention, but they pay attention. And you have a wonderful opportunity to show them Jesus. Sarah and I wanted to be the ones that led our girls to faith in Christ. We did point them to Jesus, and when they were small, we prayed a number of times with them. We had the philosophy that anytime they wanted to pray the prayer and receive Jesus, we, we would pray that prayer with them. But we were waiting for the faith to really take root. That's why we held off for a little while on baptism. We wanted to really let the faith take root in their lives, in their hearts. And one day, Caitlin came home from school at a, from an FCA meeting uh, over in Louisville, Tim, an FCA meeting. And her FCA volunteer leader was a lady named Miss Sandy. And Katie came home from school, in elementary school, and she said, Mom and Dad, it finally makes sense. I think today I put my faith in Jesus. You know, Dad, you're, you're good and all, but Miss Sandy just helped me understand it a whole lot, be- lot better. You know, at first you're like, who is Miss Sandy? And who does she think she is? But that's the way it's supposed to be, Right? God's people serving God's people. You you could be that person by jumping into kids' ministry and serving other children. Why are kids such a big deal at Bible Center? Lastly, and number three, because kids show us how to come to Jesus. Kids show us how to come to Jesus. In verse 17. Jesus says, truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. We have children's ministry and that's only going to grow in 2018 and a lot of neat things happening. And we want to always have children's ministry, but I love to see kids running up and down the hallways. Now I know you parents, you've got to tell them not to run because they might knock somebody over and it's probably a good idea. But I love seeing kids everywhere. I love to see sometimes downstairs a scratch on the wall because some kid's taking his G.I. Joe and scraped it down the side of the wall. I love that. Our maintenance person's probably not in here, Steve DeBoard, but I know it creates a lot of work. But it's the sign of health. I love noise. I love it when a mom has a crying baby and has to take the baby out or you go out in the foyer and the so loud. I want more of that because it shows us the simple faith and trust of a little child. Children are natural trusters. They naturally receive gifts. They have no problem receiving something that's given to them. When's the last time you saw a child try to pay you back for a gift that you gave. That's how we adults are, like around Christmas, right? Like, you know, it's worse when you, you're meeting somebody out in public around Christmas time and you didn't think, you didn't get a gift for them, but they give you like, you know, if it's, you know, some of you ladies, this pretty little gift bag with 35 ribbons hanging over it. For us dudes, it's like something greasy, you know, you just give it. And, and you get this gift from a friend and you think, I, I didn't get you anything. Or worse, you lie and you go, oh yeah, I've got your gift back at the house. I'll get it to you on Sunday. We always feel like we gotta pay somebody back, but not children. Man, kids learn to say thank you because it's right. I think we parents should teach our kids to say thank you. But kids typically don't say thank you because they're overwhelmed with gratitude. 
Kids just love the gift. And you give kids a present and watch their face light up. They know it's something they didn't earn. You gave it to them and they're off to enjoy it. The reason Jesus gives us this picture is so that we can receive his free gift of salvation and be off to enjoy it. We can't earn it. Jesus paid for it by dying on the cross, by being buried and rising again the third day. And this morning, if you're not sure what salvation looks like, look at your nearest kid and watch them receive a free gift that they didn't earn. For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes in him will not perish, but have everlasting life. If you've trusted Jesus as your savior recently, maybe this year, We'd love to invite you to be baptized. It's a great way for you to show the world, I am a follower of Jesus. You say, Pastor Matt, if I get baptized, it's so humbling. I'm going to get my hair wet in front of everybody. That's what Jesus was preaching here. He is saying, humble yourself and you'll be exalted. Exalt yourself, worry about yourself, and you'll be abased. What's the main challenge from Luke 18? It's simply this. Let's do everything we can to help more kids come to Jesus. Let's do everything we can to help more kids come to Jesus. There's several practical takeaways this morning. One, as you leave, our family ministry staff and our community life staff has put together a booklet, an all-in booklet. For the next seven weeks, we want to go through and be studying the same parts of the Bible together. Uh, you're going to get those at the door on your way out. Let me invite you to, if, if you live alone, to study that alone. If you live with other people, study it with other people. If you live with some students or kids, there's something in there for everybody. If you're not sure about what it looks like to connect at Bible Center right after the service is BC and 5, well, Jane Jackson Fowler will be down here on my left. She'd love to help you take your name, get your email address, help you get plugged in, any questions you may have. If you say, you know, I really feel like the Lord's just calling me to go all in to this mission, to go all in here at Bible Center. We've got our membership class coming up at the end of the week, membership weekend, this coming Friday and Saturday. I'll be hosting it. I'll be leading it. And our staff and I will we'll put it on together. We'd love to have you join us for membership weekend. I told you a moment ago, there's a lot of neat things happening in the lives of children's ministry at Bible Center I want to leave you with these two things. One is our new early childhood director. Michelle Thompson has been our EC director, early childhood director for a number of years and done a phenomenal job. She probably knew I was going to recognize her because I think she just slipped out. Uh, but Michelle is amazing. And God has called her into this ministry of being our director of city ministries at Bible Center. She's going to lead us in all things adoption, foster care, ministering to the marginalized, those in our city that we can have a greater impact in. She's chomping at the bit to get started. I think she starts tomorrow or today. Um, but our new early childhood director is Jessica Backus. We wanted to make that announcement. Our family ministry team has interviewed some amazing candidates. I'm not even sure who all they interviewed. And they felt led of the Lord to hire Jessica. So Jessica starts today, tomorrow. They don't tell me these things anymore. Yeah, you're going to start soon. And so if you want to jump into student ministry, jump in with Jessica. Join me in just giving her a hand for this new job. You stand up. Great. 
In closing, I want to invite up to the platform our new principal, another big transition at Bible Center, our new head of school or principal, Stephanie Schaefer. You saw her a moment ago. Welcome, Stephanie, to the platform. So, Stephanie, are you ready to start? I'm ready. I'm so ready. When do you start? Um, I believe that I will be here. I think I'll, I'll um, work my last day in Fort Myers, and then I'll get in the car the next morning and drive here. I'm ready. So probably about June. You couldn't, like, break your contract and come early? I want to so desperately every time I come here. And this is only my second time here, but it makes it so much harder to leave every time. So we're... We wanted to be here like, you know, three weeks ago. We're, We're ready. We're just kidding. We're glad you have commitment and character. That's yes. great. Tell us a little bit about your family. Um, I have a husband named Joey. We've been married for 15 years. And then my oldest, my only son, is 13. And then I have a daughter, Hallie. His, I'm sorry, let me go back. My son's name is Dylan, and he's 13. He's in seventh grade. And then my daughter, Hallie, is in sixth grade, and she's 11. So you can pray for us because we have two middle schoolers in our home. How did you hear about this position? Well, I have been friends with the King family for a long time. Uh, John and Emily had come off the mission field, and they moved to Fort Myers, Florida, where I've lived my entire life. And uh, Emily was the new second grade teacher across the hall from me at Evangelical Christian School, my first year as a second grade teacher. And so we became friends really quickly, uh, and they have just been an important part of our life. Um, while we were, they lived in Fort Myers, and then we followed their journey, and now I'm here. You, you said something this morning that I didn't know. This was the first time your, your kids have seen snow, for real? The first time they have seen snow, yes, was uh, wow. we drove through the night on Thursday night, and we got here early Friday morning, and so we came through Beckley at about uh, 7 a.m., and I've never driven in snow and my husband was next to me coaching me, and that was very exciting as the kids were <laughs> excited in the back about seeing snow, so we had to stop at you know, a couple of rest areas and get out and play. That's, that's awesome, great. Well, I have to ask, you know, we love West Virginia, by God's grace, we're gonna, I was born here, wanna die here, but Fort Myers would be hard to leave, I would think. Why would you come here to West Virginia? So I've always wanted to move far away from Fort Myers because I've lived there my whole life. Um, and I've always asked God, you know, a hundred times to move. I've asked my husband a thousand times to move. And we finally were comfortable. And we moved into a home that I knew was going to be our forever home. And we asked my parents to leave their home of 37 years in Fort Myers and move next door to us. And then we were just really enjoying life, and God called us here. So yes, That's it great. is doesn't make a lot of sense, but we know that the Lord wants us right here in Charleston. Amen. First time I met Stephanie, John, and Emily, we went out and hung out with her and Joey. I was blown away by our resume, but you know you can make a resume look good. Uh, but by our heart and the things that she understood about ways we could go to the next level at Bible Center School. So Stephanie, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad your family's here. Looking forward to the summer when you all move here. And we want to close today by praying for you. What's a couple things we can pray for you and your family about? I shared in the 8 o'clock service that um, obviously we're not moved here yet. And so we need to finish well in Fort Myers. Uh, that's been our home for forever. My husband is from there as well. And 
God's not done with us there yet. And so you can pray for us as we finish well over the next few months uh, at our school and at our church and just in friendships. We have a lot of people that are sad to see us go. They understand God's call on our life, um, but we have our families are there, our friends are there. And so you can just pray for this transition that we would just remember that God has called us here and that he's going to equip us. Amen. Will you join me in praying for her? I'm going to ask you to stand. All those who will, we'd love to extend a hand of prayer and pray with me in your heart as I pray for, for Stephanie and for Joey and for the kids. God, I thank you so much for bringing the Schaefers here. Pray for Mrs. Schaefer as she leads our school and leads this awesome team of Bible Center school teachers and aides and leaders and servants. Got to pray for our preschool as she leads that staff as well and that you would help children truly be prepared for high school in a loving community by drawing them closer to Jesus in their hearts and filling their heads with your truth and, and helping their hands to serve in our community and in our city. Would you help the transition? Pray for Dylan and for Hallie as they make the transition to new school and new world. God, it's got to be tough for them. I pray you'd help us as a church to love them, to throw our arms around them, to show them unconditional love and grace and acceptance. God, I pray for Joey. Thank you for his love and leadership of his family. God, I ask that the best days of Bible Center School would be in the future, that you would use us to reach more families for Jesus in Charleston and around the Kanawha Valley. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen.